Welcome to the Renovating You podcast, where we redesign our emotional blueprint. We provide help by opening up topics and engaging in conversation around our wounds and traumas of our childhood. We encourage you to entertain the hope that your life can be different from what you've experienced up until this point. We share with you the tools we have gained on our healing journey and coach you through the process that breaks negative and repetitive cycles that leads to lasting transformation. The information found in this podcast is not meant to take the place of a licensed professional. Welcome back, renovators, to Renovating You. Today we are joined by our motley crew, as always been. Beth is here, and Bethany and Alex are engineer extraordinaire. You'll hear us talking on this, but we have a very special guest with us today. He is a pastor, a teacher, a speaker, an author, a missionary, and would like to welcome Rev, as he said he'd like to be called, Joe Warner to the Renovating You podcast. <laughs> Hi there. It's good to be with you guys. Looking forward to our discussion today. We've been involved in trying to help people get restored for the last 30 or 40 years and have ministered to thousands of people all over the world. And have encountered just about every emotional, mental, mm -hmm. relational scheme that you can possibly think of. And so we've discovered there's nothing new under the sun, and everybody struggles with the same stuff. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm exactly. convinced the enemy convinces people that there's something really wrong with them, that nobody else has mm -hmm. their problem, but the truth is everybody has the same problems. That's, right. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. There, This gentleman is a wealth of knowledge, 30 years plus of pastoring and ministering in so many different avenues and because of time permitted uh, that we have today we are going to basically focus on his book which is amazing it's called battle for your life uh, defeating the schemes of the enemy and again that is by joe warner so we're going to just kind of focus on some of that today and the book is on amazon if people are curious amazon about. awesome great that's where i got it from mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's where I got it from. I picked it up last year. He was at our church last year, so I've kind of known him, quote unquote, for oh, like a year. <laughs> yeah, for like a year. Just really powerful. And the book very much goes hand in hand with our podcast, the ministry we do at our church, and just a lot of different things in our life. So really good. So what I would like to do to kind of give an idea of how the enemy comes in so early in life. He doesn't come in as an adult. He comes in early. And if you could just share a little bit about your story as a young boy, and we'll kind of just go from there. Okay, well, the materials that I produce, the book, uh, syllabuses, different things on these subjects, aren't something I went to seminary and learned. Mm -hmm. There's something, I was looking for healing in my own life. Mm -hmm. And all the way through uh, school, high school, I was a total recluse in high school. I hid in the library, played sports, and that was all I ever did. Mm -hmm. I don't think I even interacted with people. And I was incredibly, um, had incredible arrested development. I got stuck emotionally probably when I was six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of trauma in our background. I grew up on a farm. Had five brothers and sisters. Uh, very poor background. Mm -hmm. We had our farm totally destroyed by tornadoes when I was young. We had our house burned down by a fire when I was young. I had a father who worked so many hours we literally never saw him mm -hmm. and so i would uh, compare myself to other boys my age mm -hmm. and i loved sports and so i started playing little league when i was really young 
And uh, one evening I was riding my bike home from Little League and uh, across the street was a Dairy Queen and all the dads would take their boys there after the game mm-hmm. to get something. And I never once had my father show up at a game, go to a mm-hmm. practice, any of those types of things. And so the mindset began to develop in, within mm-hmm. me. There's something wrong with me mm-hmm. that my father doesn't want to do these mm-hmm. things with me. And so I had a real sense of abandonment, rejection. A lot of shame probably. A yeah. lot of shame. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so as you grow up, you feel like um, you're not legitimate. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with me, so I'm an illegitimate son. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. I'm an illegitimate son, I shouldn't expect anything. Mm-hmm. And so those were the wounds that were, you know, in the uh, foundation of my life okay. that I had to work really hard to get past. I think, and you kind of alluded to it right in the beginning, I think one of the things that we've talked about is, I believe one of the main schemes of the enemy is to get us not to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. as long as we don't talk about it, we think we're the only one. And yeah. that's the leverage sure. that he has on us. When you find out that other people are, quote unquote, just as messed up as you mm-hmm. are, there really is comfort in that because it does say it isn't just me. Sure. There are other people, too. And you s- kind of bring it to the light. So we know, as you just talked about, uh, rejection, shame. I want to add in there physical abuse, sexual abuse, incest, um, alters the brain ke- chemistry and also produces something that is known as arrested development i know that bethany and beth both have questions that they kind of want to they're like burning on their heart that they want to ask so bethany you want to you want to go first as to what you're yeah. like yeah chomping at the bit to talk about here <laughs> yeah so um i'm gonna read a little bit off of your book because <laughs> um, i i think this would really go in with the question that i have so a part of his book on page 70 it talks about um, when people get emotionally hurt or experience shock or trauma in their lives they withdraw um, as into a cave. So when her individuals withdraw, they isolate themselves. They go into a lonely place, like the cave, because they are emotionally wounded. It feels safe there. They are not exposed to their pain or vulnerability. The enemy tries to build up a rock of offense in their lives, something that hurts them and drives them into the cave of death. Yeah. The enemy will guard the stumbling block, the rock of offense, so that it will not be removed and the person will be entrapped by it forever. At the age when a person was traumatized or when they suffered abuse, they begin to withdraw, pull away emotionally and relationally. I know many people who are legally an adult, but emotionally, they're stuck. At the developmental age when trauma took place, this caused them to withdraw into the cave, the hurt and emotional wounds. Something may happen that will trigger them, that will take that person back to the place. They may speak and feel the age they were when trauma occurred. Their thinking and coping skills could be tied to the moment in time or season when they withdrew a part of themselves, which you call the arrested development. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, explain to us what arrested development is and how it affects us. Well, I think people get stuck. Um, I was ministering to a lady one time. She was probably 40 years old, mentally, totally successful in her career, very mentally sharp. But emotionally speaking, her husband would describe her as a young adolescent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when it came to making emotional decisions, it was just unbelievable, uh, some of the things that she would do. So we went through this process of trying to find out what happened to her. And so you have to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to help people because he's the only one that has all the knowledge and the background of things that happened. People bury things so deep that they're not in their conscious mind. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize you have a conscious mind. You know what's going on in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Right. 
You have a subconscious mind. You know what happened Correct. last week, mm-hmm. last month. But then you have an unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And that part of us was where we bury things. Mm-hmm. And the pain can be so great that from the trauma that somebody went through, they literally refuse to go there. And uh, they put up walls of self-protection because they don't want anybody to ever touch that part of their life again. Mm -hmm. People often develop alternative personalities because they're trying to escape from Mm -hmm. what happened to them. So the lady I was ministering to, we spent uh, many, many hours going through her background and combing through her background. And we looked for the fruit in her life of what is she struggling with now? Well, as we were dealing with her, she, we found out later she'd been molested when she was six years old. Mm-hmm. And so uh, sexually speaking, in her marriage, she's totally dysfunctional and um, didn't understand why. She just couldn't handle what that was all about. And so, of course, her marriage was affected, intimacy is affected, mm-hmm. all these different things go on. And so she was convinced that her childhood was... Um, Every aspect of it was horrible and every aspect of it was bad and that nothing good ever happened in her background. And so we began to pray for her one day. And as we began to pray for her, we asked God to unlock the things that were hidden. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon she's sitting in a chair in my office and she started acting like a little girl. She began swinging her legs back and forth like she was um, my granddaughter on mm-hmm. a swing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's just swinging, and I just had the thought, I said, well, how old are you? And she said, oh, I'm six. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm in my backyard. I said, well, what does it look like? She said, oh, my daddy built me a tree house. I have a beautiful uh, tree mm-hmm. swing on my tree and all these different things. And she just described this childhood that was nothing like mm-hmm. what she thought she'd experienced. And so I watched her. She literally went year by year by year with God restoring her memories. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, over the, over those 10 or 15 years that she had no memory. Mm-hmm. And God literally healed her memory. Wow. And so instead of seeing her entire childhood as a devastating event, there was one mm-hmm. devastating mm-hmm. event. Yes. But the rest of her life had been really good. And um, I just mm-hmm. watched her literally overnight totally change as she got healed. We restored. have discussed yeah. in class and on our podcast already that... We think it's the event that has happened to us, yeah. whether our dad threw us through a window, whether we were sexually molested, um, whether we had a parent walk out on us, which has rejection, abandonment. Sure. Yeah. And what we've, what we've realized, though, through it, which has been very interesting for people, is that most people feel like, well, I can't undo the event. Therefore, I can never get past this. But it really isn't the event that has halted us in our maturity it is more so what we're telling ourselves about the event our story yeah concerning it well i think when when you talk to people they're trying to handle things as adults in a mental Mm -hmm. type of way but what happened was so emotional Mm -hmm. that you have to get in touch with those emotions you got to get in touch with those feelings Mm -hmm. so in the scripture i was just reading it one day it said uh, when jesus had been put in the tomb they said one early in the morning mary and the other Mary came to the tomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and mm-hmm. um, that's a good one. Yeah. The other Mary, yeah. And they were looking, they were looking for the Lord in the tomb, and they didn't find him there. And uh, an angel came down. And he sat on the rock, and the scripture says the angel rolled the rock out of the way. So the power of God removed the barrier. Mm-hmm. It said that the guards became like dead men. So as I'm going through that passage, I just had some interesting thoughts. I thought, I have never seen a lot of guards in a cemetery. Right. And so in the natural, they were afraid someone was going to steal the body. Mm-hmm. But the Lord just really began to speak to me. And I realized that in my life, 
I had pulled into a tomb, into a cave, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it was for self-protection. Yes. And the rock was the offenses, all the little disappointments, all the things that happened to me being cemented together over a period of time create this incredible rock of offense. And so I began to learn the principles. Um, I called it my Yogi Bear message for years, <laughs> dealing with the boo-boos of life. <laughs> and uh, so as I go through this process, I began to realize uh, it takes the power of God. It takes the power of forgiveness mm-hmm. to remove the rock out of the way. Mm-hmm. But you can help somebody forgive and go through that entire process, but it doesn't mean they're going to come out of that cave. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you literally have to woo them out of the cave and literally take them by the hand and help them to come out mm-hmm. because they're so afraid of what will happen. Do you and think, so, though, too, Joe, if I can just you yeah. know talk on that, do you think, too, that... It's kind of been our experience, but I want to know kind of what your experience, obviously, many more years, you know, at this than we have been, that one of the reasons why they don't want to forgive is that they almost feel that forgiveness means it's okay what happened. And I don't ever want to say it's okay. So I'm just stuck. I either have to choose it's okay or I'm going to forgive. And neither one of them are good options in their minds because of what it means. Can you speak on that a little bit? Well, I think they have to understand why do we forgive? Absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. We don't forgive because somebody's repented of it. That's we don't. Right. That's great if that happens, but that's mm-hmm. so Often rare. It doesn't. Yeah, it mm-hmm. mostly doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't forgive because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we forgive because God's forgiven us. And if you don't understand that, you will forever stay bound in unforgiveness and mm-hmm. bitterness and all the things that go along that go mm-hmm. along with that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you can't forgive unless you've been forgiven. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it takes the grace of God. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. the grace of God. I've dealt with so many abuse people, people mm-hmm. who have been horrendously mm-hmm. treated. And uh, forgiving is a huge thing. The last chapter of my book has the story of a lady who we discovered her husband had been cheating on her like 15, 20 affairs. And she tried to forgive and work through the process of forgiving and all those different things. And she shares her story of how God took her through that. Mm-hmm. And um, when she realized that her judgments and her bitterness and all those things, that she had to repent of those things and all of her judgments, she had sinned against God. Absolutely. And so in her mind, mm-hmm. she's the victim. So all she's focused on is what happened to her, yeah. none of the things that she did. And so she's turning around and treating her children and doing all these other things to her family Mm -hmm. as a result of what happened to her. And so the whole victim mindset gets started and becomes generational in these families. And that's a scary thing. But the day that she really genuinely forgave him was a great day. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, she stayed with him. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that she trusts him. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, she's excited when she sees him. She will greet him when she sees him, but she literally uh, has nothing to do with him because he's totally unrepentant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To this day, he goes from church to church, seducing different women, marrying Mm -hmm. them, getting their financial resources, Mm -hmm. divorcing them, and he's done it four times. Mm -hmm. But emotionally, she's not tied to that because of the the forgiveness. And you have to understand uh, what a soul tie is. Mm -hmm. Corinthians tells us that when when two people come together sexually, that there's more than just the joining of physical things. There's the joining of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so people have this unseen connection to these people that they've had relationships 
that you have to pray and you have to break that. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, the memory of them continues and they have dreams about those people. And it's like those, it's like they're never free from the person. Right. So we call it a soul tie. Some mm -hmm. people have soul trains. Mm -hmm. They've had so many relationships. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so we, we have to go. We don't need to break into the song. <laughs> yeah. It went through my mind, but we're not going <laughs> to. We, we have to go through and break all of those. <laughs> right. They have to repent of all those and yeah. break all those or they're not really yeah, free not from free. those mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit, and I know Beth is like looking at me like, I have a question, I have a question. Oh, I, I'm like, I know it's coming, it's coming, you're coming, but I just want to kind of lay the groundwork here a little bit. So in your book on page 47, it talks about the development of the schemes of how it can be generational, that we can be wounded in the womb, which I know was like so like enlightening to yes. people, the stress of the mother, is my world safe? So, I mean, so many things, birth, childhood, adolescence to today because obviously when we are in class that we you know we teach or obviously most of our listeners are adults maybe some teenagers but probably most no adults. children would be would be my guess um they really do think that their issues are all adult issues i'm just a messed up adult mm -hmm. they don't understand so can you talk a little bit about that how that all well, just i can give forms you tremendous illustrations um my awesome. pastor his name is bruce in san antonio texas um, Bruce retired as an Air Force colonel. He's one of the most uh, renowned men I've ever known. But he has struggled his entire life with the fear of death. Mm. And the guy's a warrior. Mm -hmm. And he's just the opposite. He's an incredible athlete, warrior. I mean, he's an incredible man. And you would think that he would never struggle with fear. Mm -hmm. So we began to do some research. And what happened is when he was born, they thought that he was dead. And they mm. laid him aside on a counter as a blue baby, Mm -hmm. And they thought the mother was bleeding out, so they're trying to save the save mother's the life, which mm -hmm. they did save the mom. Mm -hmm. But the enemy doesn't play fair. There's no Geneva no. Convention. Mm -hmm. And that spirit of fear came on him mm -hmm. in that delivery room. Yes. Yeah. And he had had dreams about dying and all death, 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 death. Mm -hmm. And so it began at the time of birth. Mm -hmm. and so can I ask you, you have a question? Well, I, Go. Just, Go. I just thought it was interesting, the profession <laughs> that he chose. So, you know, you're kind of born into, into fear and you pick up that spirit and then you go be the manliest man yeah. you can be sure. almost to counteract that, you know? Sure. I mean, it just, it just seems it an interesting insight into, of all the professions, like sure. it, it, when you were acknowledging what type of person he was, he was like, you know, uh, well, Rambo and yet. Exactly. Uh, one of my favorite illustrations, there was a young woman, she was probably 22 uh, and uh, she and her fiance came to me and they wanted me to do, uh, you know, their marriage. And when I do premarital counseling, I won't do a wedding unless I can spend a year mm. because I'm going to, they're going to go through personal ministry. We're going to stand their backgrounds yes. yeah. so they at least have a fighting chance when they get married. That's good. That's good. And so what happened That's is good. I just looked at her one day and, and I said, Brittany, you must just really love Daniel. She said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean you don't know? Uh, because when I was engaged, it would take me four hours to tell my fiance good night. What do you mean you don't right. know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I don't feel anything. I said, you don't. Mm -hmm. She said, I don't have any emotions. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we put the wedding on hold. Mm -hmm. And um, we went back. We began to research. Here's what we found out. Her mother, when she was in college, she got pregnant. She decided uh, to keep the baby, but to give it away for, uh, for adoption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the mother made a conscious decision to not allow herself to emotionally connect to that child. Yeah. No bonding. No bonding. Mm -hmm. And so Brittany comes along. Now the mother's married. Everything is normal. 
but the mother would the mother told us Brittany was three or four years old before she got past her guilt and shame and being able to connect with Brittany. Mm-hmm. And so Brittany grew up in a mm-hmm. very neutral, mm-hmm. unemotional, Flatten. no mm-hmm. love, no Stoic. emotional yeah. connection. Yeah. And so Brittany didn't know how to love. She just couldn't. It just mm-hmm. wasn't in her. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't Brittany's fault. It's something that was passed down to her. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Brittany really uh, got free of all of that and forgave her mother. We went through that entire process. And the child that had been given up for adoption, they had never heard from that child. And that child ended up being adopted by some Christian folks in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And um, on Mother's Day, a few weeks after Brittany really got free, Mm -hmm. this young woman contacted their family from Indiana Mm. and said, you know, I just want you guys to know that I was adopted by a godly family. I understand why you gave me up for adoption. I'm not bitter or angry, but I would like to come and meet my family. Mm-hmm. So she showed up in church on a Sunday morning, and they had a family reunion on Mother's mm. Day. Wow. Awesome. It, was, it was one of the most redemptive things oh, wow. I think I've ever experienced. So what would you what would you say to... Um, Because I'm sure that there are young ladies, young men listening, maybe even older, trying to go a second time around maybe with marriage of because we kind of live in a society where the ink isn't even dry (laughs) on the divorce papers. And we're already searching for someone else that's going to complete us. That's the answer Mm. where we've kind of discovered that the face changes, the name changes, but the scenario continues. So how would you? How would you speak into that? You bring it with you. How would you? You know, uh, the reason I spent a year in premarital is I believe two people need to be whole individually before they can come together and even have a chance with the pressure in our society and Mm -hmm. marriage. And so I work toward them being whole. And so mm-hmm. I, we look at their background. We look at everything that's mm-hmm. gone through, all the judgments that they're going to bring into mm-hmm. the new relationship yes. from the old relationship, mm-hmm. all these hidden things. And so mm-hmm. the scripture says, don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. And so we go through the process of exposing those things. Mm-hmm. We have a 30-page questionnaire that people go through. And I mean, it starts from the awesome. womb to the tomb. That's what mm-hmm. we say. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know every aspect of their life and everything that went on because a scheme begins very early in a person's yes, life. Mm-hmm. And you trace it all the way through their life. And so they may think that their issue, their issue is from that marriage relationship, mm-hmm. but probably it started long before exactly. they got married yes. in the first place. Exactly. And so we go back and we look for the foundations of these things and see what's, what's the missing element and try to make them bring them into wholeness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 says, I would that you'd be made whole, body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And that he who began that good work in you is going to complete it. Well, Christians Mm -hmm. use that second part of that verse all the time. God's going to complete this good work. Mm -hmm. But the application of it is, he wants you to become whole as a person. Mm -hmm. Physically, mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, he wants you to be whole. And so that's what we're working toward all the time, Mm -hmm. is finding out where are you broken? Which is yeah. so good because when you do deal with married people, often I, I didn't deal with any of this anger or resentment. I didn't until he or she came into the marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's like we don't have a marriage problem. We have two individuals that have childhood problems that have not been dealt, that have not been yeah. resolved, that there's, you know, a dead sure. man there at the tomb guarding this, mm-hmm. you know, this wounded part of their soul. And until that is exposed. Well, look at it like this. Yeah. In my life, my primary scheme is abandonment. My wife came from a father who was a Marine Corps drill sergeant. He would get in her face and scream all the time. 
after we first got married, we went to their house, her parents' house for a moment, and uh, he forgot she got married, and he jumped up and was in her face screaming at her. And something in me snapped, and I grabbed him and, um, in love, threw him across the room <laughs> and said, if you ever scream at my wife again, you'll never see her again. Because his screaming and being in her face like that caused her to feel so rejected. Right. She just completely mm-hmm. withdrew. So now we're married. Mm-hmm. Right. So what happens when you have a disagreement? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the standard thing that she's wrong and she just yeah. won't repent. But um, maybe I'm wrong also. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, what happens is we it have could a be conflict. That <laughs> <laughs> we have we'll a conflict, no. yeah. And she withdraws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel abandoned. Yeah. 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 Mm. And because I'm abandoned, I'm hurt. Yeah. Perfect storm. I start rejecting her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we try to do in marriage counseling is we separate them for a season of time. Mm-hmm in the counseling sessions and we try to find out their individual schemes Mm -hmm. and then it's fascinating when you get the couple together and go based upon your background you have these Mm -hmm. issues she has these issues now look what happens in your marriage Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. and that is one of the most helpful things you can do to help a couple walk in any kind of wholeness or freedom and not to put words in your mouth but probably sadly you would find that couples don't even know their partner's background because they haven't delved in they they haven't been vulnerable because the vulnerability could bring up shame in their no. life all they know is they're in love and that's they get that's married. what i mean yeah. yeah and so they're like i didn't know you had that problem i didn't know you and here we are hey renovators we just want to take a pause in our conversation here to welcome our sponsor cj warren located here in crown point indiana cj warren is a full service salon anywhere from skin to hair and a lot of you guys have said that you love my hair. So let's take a listen to Karina, who is the owner, and why she decided to sponsor Renovating You. Every year we set a goal as a salon where we want to put our energy as far as with each other and our guests, the other businesses that we support. And this year in December, we decided that it should always come from a place of love. So that was our goal this year. It was like, make sure that everything we do and support is from a place of love. And I was so inspired by the things you were telling us about your passion in this podcast and renovating you, where you came from with it and what your all-time goal is with it to help people just really renovate themselves and be their best person and start from the inside out. And it just spoke to me about, you know, what we do is very outward we're we're serving other people we're we're doing it from a place of love in a way to help them look beautiful on the outside and you're just doing the same exact thing from the inside I just thought that was so wonderful and that we could support your cause because we feel the same way we want to help people put their best face forward we want to see people's true beauty shine through and definitely when you have that inner peace and inner joy it's reflected in your appearance and the two together are like the perfect combination to show what true beauty is. So we're excited to be able to support this podcast. So if you are in Northwest Indiana and you would like a new do and a new you, visit CJ Warren here in Crown Point, Indiana. So So how do we get past, and you kind of started there, how do we get past someone who is so shame riddled, something's wrong with me, I'm defected, I'm dirty, how do we encourage them or how do you encourage them to speak of the very things that they feel are going to make them feel worse about themselves, devaluing themselves, helping them realize this is the place you go through to value yourself. This is why we're doing this. Yes. How are you able to? Well, um, I mean, you're, you're literally talking about rebuilding a person's life. Yes. Yeah. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a young woman and um, she told me her name was Billy. And we began to go through her background and begin to find all these things. 
and uh, she was molested when she was young by an older woman and all these different things mm-hmm. went on in her life and so the shame went shame is is normally most of the time related to some type of immorality mm-hmm. yeah every time there's immorality involved shame is the scheme mm-hmm. and so this girl was so ashamed of who she was and her identity she didn't have an identity other than what this lady who abused her told her mm-hmm. so billy went through the process of genuinely coming to know the lord and God forgiving her of the shame. And when the scripture says he takes our shame and throws it in the depths of the sea, you have to reach the point you accept what God says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Billy really had to forgive herself. Mm-hmm. And then she had to forgive God. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things that Christians won't even talk about, many of them are angry with God. Yes, yes. right? They're angry yeah. with yes, God. Yes. Why did this Heard evil happen to me? Yeah. And then they attribute to God evil. Yeah. God is not the source of evil. Mm-hmm. We know what John 10 says, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the source of evil is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I say to people, it's all right to be angry. You just have to get angry at the right person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get angry at people. People are not the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy is the enemy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can't get people to get to that so often because they're so focused on the person that hurt them. Yeah. Yes. But most people in their situations, you know, the, the enemy is the guy pulling the strings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right and manipulating and them, the guy in flesh, mm-hmm. and yeah. someone not who doesn't have a someone who doesn't have a faith walk would not they, understand they that. But someone who does have a faith walk, yes. they still struggle yes. mm-hmm. with realizing well, who with they're actually sure. battling. Well, with Janine, with Billy, we found out her real name was Janine. Mm-hmm. She had a false identity, mm-hmm. and the false identity was Billy. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. she, I found out what her real name, her real name was <laughs> by doing a little research. And I started calling her Janine. She got so angry at me. I'm, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And we had to deal with the false identity. She literally had to, as the scripture says, take off the old mm-hmm. and put on the new. Mm-hmm. And the new was Janine. And so Janine went from looking hard. Um, she softened. Her countenance softened. She began to dress differently, act differently. I spent probably two years ministering, counseling with her. It's a long mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So anyway, uh, she moved away, and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And uh, one Sunday morning, several years later, she showed up on a Sunday morning on her honeymoon. Mm. And she'd gotten married. She's mm-hmm. doing great. And today she's in Tennessee and has three children. Wow. wow. That's wow. awesome. So that's what keeps us going. It's, mm-hmm. the, yeah. uh, it's the restoration that takes place, mm-hmm. the wholeness that takes place, all of those types of things. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why we, and I'm going to let Beth ask her a question yeah. here. <laughs> She's looking at there's me so like, much. are you ready? Are you ready? No. It's all good, so though. Much. Uh, so much. But that's one of the reasons why, as Beth and I were praying a couple of years ago of what we wanted this ministry to be called, the Renovating You, everybody wants a do-over. We don't get a do-over. We don't no. get to be reborn, a whole new story, but we get to do the renovation of saying, what, it, what was this supposed to look at? How can I get to my original design that God sure. designed for us? How do we get there? And that's why one of the reasons why um, we're talking about the renovating. You've used a lot of the words of restoration, kind of the same, rebuilding. kind of the same, yeah, rebuilding the same vein. Yeah. All right, go with your quote that you love. Well, I love when you said, <laughs> Denise brought it up on page 47, you said, time does not heal, time buries. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we often say, you know, when you bury, people say just bury those feelings. Well, feelings are tied to emotions. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of emotion that's being sure. buried, which is where that angst comes up. And I loved on page 71 it says you cannot walk in true freedom unless and until you start dealing with the hurt 
of the wounds in your life, which of course we've been talking about. Sure. You must come out of the cave so that you can live again. Many times though, people don't even know they're in a cave mm-hmm. or they don't even know how to be set free. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just choose to live in this state, adding to what has already happened to them throughout their life. They keep pushing things down emotionally. Over time, they develop more and more anger issues and even rage. And because unresolved pain is mounting and mounting in their lives, building up over an extended period of time, all the enemy has to do is push their buttons and they blow up, spewing rage because of their pressed hurt. We have all seen this happen, either in our own lives or in others. People who have rage and anger have not dealt with the little things along the way, so they boil over or they suppress it and they live in fear or depression. I loved your analogy in Matthew 28, 1 to 6. You said, so what happened to the two guards in Matthew 28, 1 to 6? And you said, scripture says they became like dead men. So I was just curious what happens to people who are alive and they become like dead men. I know what, I mean, for the, for the, for the listener here, mm-hmm. um, they get to that, that rage, that boiling, you know, you, I'm sure people in the audience or you, you work with people who you think they hold it all together and you just move their water, you know, one degree over here. Sure. And the reaction that is warranted from something so minor is triggers. off the charts. Well, you would call those triggers. Yeah. yeah. Triggers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And so, I would much rather uh, minister to women than men because women are easier to minister to. (laughs) And here's the reason why. A woman's mind is one big room. Mm -hmm. And when something happens today that feels like something that happened 15 years ago, they're still connected. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it's not hard to connect those dots and Mm -hmm. help her to understand what her triggers are. Mm -hmm. Men live in compartments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so a man thinks he can walk out of that door where he was abused, shut the door. Yeah. And it doesn't affect mm-hmm. him. And so men hide things mm-hmm. really, really well. And so getting men to be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> about what's hidden in their lives is is where the work is. Sure. But m- with most women, they could come in and if you just listen to them for an hour, you'll hear, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel, I feel. You'll find out all these different things are connected. Right. And you can trace them back to the similar experiences mm-hmm. that they're dealing with now. And so it, it makes it easy, easier as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned okay. uh, to minister to them. But in that passage in that scripture, when I'm referring to the guards, the guard is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And there is a demonic uh, part of this that you have to understand. When a believer gets saved, a part of them that gets saved is their spirit. Mm-hmm. And a Christian cannot be possessed, right. to use that word. But it doesn't mean they don't have a stronghold. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they can have an area in their life fear, rejection, abandonment, whatever it happens to be, where that guard is guarding that fear, guarding that hurt to try to keep it alive. You have to ask yourself the question. At the end of the day, the enemy did not want Christ to be resurrected mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. resurrected people resurrect others. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came out of the tomb, it says over 600 graves were opened, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so if he can keep you self-focused, hurt and wounded in a cave, you might be saved, but you're of no use to the kingdom right. of God because you're withdrawn. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And so what God wants is to get you set free so you can come out of your tomb and go find other people that are wounded and help get them mm-hmm. set free, which is what mm-hmm. we're all supposed to be doing. Absolutely. I mean, that's what that's about. Yeah. And so what most people do, though, is they don't really share their woundedness. Mm-hmm. To protect. 
and that yeah because it's, mm-hmm. it's called self-protection yeah. one of my favorite scriptures is there was a man in the scripture in mark 3 1 through 5 and the scripture says he had a wound he had a withered hand mm-hmm. and i've been in a lot of different countries and i've seen a lot of uh, different uh, diseases in all these countries but when you think about something that's withered it means it's withdrawn mm-hmm. it's dried up and there's no life in it correct mm-hmm. right jesus said to the man stretch out your hand mm-hmm. now i'm sure the man's thinking i can't stretch out my hand because it's withered it's dried up and there's no life in my hand and what happens to people is people get hurt by other people and they don't want to stretch out their hand in relationship mm-hmm. so true yeah but the truth of the matter is you have to hear the Lord literally say to you, stretch out your hand. It's time for you to get over being withdrawn and withered and all those other things. Yeah. And you have to stretch out your hand at the Lord's command. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, healing comes to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. And it is a choice. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. asked, do you want to be made whole? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a responsibility mm-hmm. that comes with being healed. Right. Yeah, big time. Big time. So it kind of goes into the next question. It's amazing how things just flow. <laughs> 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 We're flowing well here today. Speak into the believer who says it was all covered under the cross. Mm. I don't need to deal with any of this, but they're in a prayer line for the same thing every week. Sure. They've been to encounters, right? Which we have at our church. Other churches may call them different things, retreats, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And you can so totally see the hold the enemy has, the defeat that he has gotten hold of in their life, and that stronghold is built so much. One of our challenges that we have come up with in this class of when we're talking is in the first place, trying to convince believers that we play a part in our healing, that we we partner with the Holy Spirit, but we have to take the steps, just like when you're talking about the withered hand. Yes. Jesus didn't look down at the gentleman saying, look down, your hand's all healed. He said, no, sure. reach it out. Yeah. yeah. You have to do act. something to that act. says, partner with me, I want this. Mm-hmm. Well, the salvation to be born again mm-hmm. is that initial step, mm-hmm. but sanctification is the ongoing process exactly. mm-hmm. of being Daily. saved. Yeah. So we're in, that salv- we're in that process of being saved. When mm-hmm. I think about Paul, Paul said, you know, I was with you in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling and all the stuff in his background was a major mm-hmm. issue in his yeah. life. Yes. And so he said, you know, the things I don't want to do, I do those things. Yeah. The things I want to do, I don't do. Who's going right. to deliver me from this body of sin? Mm-hmm. So for a believer to think that they're, they are spiritually, in a sense, mm-hmm. totally reborn set Mm -hmm. free whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. but the practical outworking of that in their soul Mm -hmm. they're responsible for Mm -hmm. the scripture Mm -hmm. says without sanctification no one will see the lord Mm -hmm. so you have to cooperate with this process the process of making jesus lord of your life Mm -hmm. i mean that is a process Mm -hmm. and i think that salvation in a sense is a process it's the first choice Mm -hmm. right you know it's like getting married and thinking oh i got married and everything's great well you don't even know Mm -hmm. that person for the first 20 Mm -hmm. years Right, mm. exactly. Yeah, it takes mm. a little time to work all that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. exactly. So, I mean, it is our work that is, if we are believers, initiated mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit, that tugging, that soft voice that says, hey, there's sure. more for right. you in this Keep world. Going. Do you w- let's, let's get rid of this. It's holding you back from who you were called to be. Mm-hmm. All the people that I want you to minister to, your life. You know, sure. it, is, it is definitely uh, a partnership. Uh, we could continue talking and talking mm-hmm. and talking for hours. hours. 
Um, this is a fantastic book. I want you guys again. Get it. Um, I got it as soon as I heard him speak. I'm like, sign me up. Uh, <laughs> Battle for your life. Defeating the Schemes of the Enemy, again, by Joe Warner. I just wanted you to take a few minutes here at the end of, uh, of our podcast to kind of let our listeners know uh, where they can reach you, what you're up to these days. Take a few minutes there and just kind of close us out here. I've been pastoring a church in Orlando, Florida called Freedom Fellowship. Uh, we started it uh, 28, 29 years ago. So I recently just uh, stepped down uh, from pastoring that church, and I'm... Um, changing going through the process of changing so i'm free to travel full time mm-hmm. i have so many requests from different churches we like to go to the ch- we like to go to churches and do something we call personal ministry mm-hmm. we will go to a church and minister to the leadership team uh each individual on that team three or four hours per person help them find their schemes understand all of that mm-hmm. teach all of these materials in a seminar setting and then help them get started in ministering to their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because churches are full of people, as you said, who go to the altar every Sunday and get prayed for the same thing. Mm-hmm. One day I got frustrated and said, I am not doing this anymore. <laughs> I, I'm very administrative. I want a process. I want to take people through a process of helping them become mm-hmm. whole. Yes. And so that's, that's what we do. That's what we spend our time doing. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of effort, but it has a lot of reward. Yeah. And so uh, teaching these seminars on the schemes of the enemy, the concept of restoration, teaching people how to walk in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, because really without the gifts of the Spirit, Mm. you can't really minister to people. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get a word of knowledge, you're Mm -hmm. probably not going to help them. Mm -hmm. I had a lady who had a spirit of abandonment on a level that you cannot begin to imagine. Mm -hmm. And we got a word word of knowledge that her great-grandmother actually was on a ship that sunk, and she was on an island by herself for almost 30 days. Wow. And that fear of abandonment passed down to the women of that family was so strong it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so that came through a word of knowledge, and then she went back and researched it, found her great-grandmother's diary, and sure enough, there was a whole chapter on that. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have the gifts of the Spirit to be able to do this type of ministry, Mm -hmm. um, or you can't do it. And Mm -hmm. so we help people get filled with the Holy Spirit. We help people understand the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, that there are tools... Mm-hmm. To help people mm-hmm. become whole. So How do they reach good. you? Is there a website? Sure. Uh, uh, it's ATM Joe Warner at Gmail. That's awesome. Apostolic Team Ministries, ATM Joe Warner at gmail.com. Awesome. You guys have anything else you want to ask? The wisdom of the man. No, No, there's so much. So much. much. This book was great. It's been a blessing. Yes. To my life. Just even the 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 one on forgiveness was phenomenal. Yeah, forgiveness. Yeah. Just really appreciate your vulnerability and willingness to it's really funny Speak in that book you'll find we call it the unforgiveness test. Mm. Yeah. And so there's an actual test you can take to see I if saw you have it on the your web- Was it on your website? Yeah. Yeah. So Go good. to the website. Mm-hmm. It's on there. Take yeah. it. Yeah, so. take the test. That's great. Well, thank you so much, sure. uh, Rev, uh, for <laughs> <laughs> for being here on our podcast. We greatly appreciate yes, you. We pray you. continue blessings on your journey and the people that you will come across that um, obviously God still has work for you to do, which is why yeah. you're still on this planet. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So we will see you later, Renovators. Uh, Remember, if you found this helpful or enjoyed it um, on your journey, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Renovating You, and it just is the U, like a U-turn. So Renovating You. Have a great day.